you think you know what we're going to talk about. And welcome back to Three Fates Decide. It just sounds more dramatic that way. All right, so this week we are going to be talking about... But just when you least expect it, we changed the game. One Will Smith slot Chris Rock. I mean, we always celebrated Easter. Here's part of the Half-Blood Prince. So we're going to do another free talk, freestyle thing, no planned discussion. At the end of the day, only one thing matters. We decide. We're going to hit the main highlights. That is the thing that we were saying back in that episode. Quick recap. Three Fates Decide podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Three Fates Decide. My name is Sam, and I am here with my uh, co-host, Liz. Say hello, Liz. Hi. Um, Our other co-host, Mary, will not be joining us tonight because she's not feeling very well. But we wanted to get this uh, episode out because over the last week, something historical happened. And uh, we just thought it was something that we needed to talk about as well. And that is the death of Queen Elizabeth II, who was the longest running monarch uh, for for the United Kingdom. Excuse me. I almost said just for England, but it's it's more than just England for the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. And uh, so we're going to kind of go through her history a little bit, going to talk a, a little bit about some of the controversy that's come up, um, especially online. I'm sure you've seen mixed reactions to her death. And then I'm also going to kind of go through, uh, I found a list of every single actress that has played the queen. So I want to go through that list as well. We're not going to go too much into the whole royal family because obviously there's drama coming out of our ears with that. That'll be for another episode. <laughs> yeah, at some point in the future, we'll we'll talk about them. But um, yeah, I mean, for the time being, we'll just focus on her and her legacy. So, because honestly, we really could spend a lot of time talking about the rest of the family, which is an ongoing thing. But yep, yeah. But yeah, so she uh, she reigned for 70 years. Uh, she started February 6th, 1952, until her death, which was September 8th of 2022. And uh, she's now um, succeeded by her eldest son, who will be continuing on as King Charles III. So... Yeah. I mean, I know, like, uh, there was always speculation about, like, whether he was going to keep the name Charles or change it, because, I mean, Queen Elizabeth's father changed his name. I mean, his actual name was Albert. Right. Bertie. Yeah. (laughs) And even her uncle, Edward, was actually David, and he changed it. So, yeah, there's a precedence for that. Yeah, and I mean, you know... I get it. It's, you know, again, we'll get into it eventually on, on another episode or maybe even more than that. But the royal family history is like, whew. so like they kind of go off of names. And I was actually 
you know, surprised. And also, I think I heard like you, you, they tend to choose a name because they have like five million names. They choose a name that they have already, but it's also, I think, based off of how previous kings or queens did with that name. So, like, people were kind of surprised that he kept with Charles because Charles doesn't exactly have a good standing. (laughs) Uh, The first Charles was, uh, not end very well so (laughs) well yeah because they had the revolution against him yes so so well we'll see how this charles does you know but it's just weird like there's no like now there's a queen consort who's camilla but there's no more queen like now it's the king like in the UK, like when they sing their national anthem, it's now God Save the King. And they've been singing it for God Save the Queen 70 years. It's got to be so weird. Yeah, and also the money is going to change. Um, yep. Some of the postage is going to change. I mean, obviously whatever already exists is going to continue circulating and being used. But eventually you're going to start seeing Charles's face on stuff going forward. So... Yep. Yeah, I mean, my parents were, like, my mom was actually telling me earlier today that, like, she was reading, like, Chinese language newspaper, and they mentioned that, oh, if you are in Hong Kong and you have some of the old coinage, which has her face on them, they're actually really valuable now. Like, she was, like, saying, like, I think there was, like, a version of the five-cent coin from like 1964, I think it was. It's worth twenty thousand dollars now. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, and um, the other funny thing was that like uh, my parents mentioned that I think Queen Elizabeth was like the first actually monarch who ever visited Hong Kong. Um, So the year that she visited, they actually had, you know, like special commemorative coins that, you know, people can buy souvenirs and stuff. And those are probably going to be worth quite a bit now. So I don't know. I mean, if my parents are actually really interested, we may want to go get them appraised and like at least get like insurance on them, like not actually sell them, but, you know. Right. Just in case. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Not that I want to turn this into like a side tangent thing, but it's like this is it's like one of the things I learned from watching stuff like, you know, Antiques Roadshow is that if it turns out this random thing in your house is actually worth something, obviously there are there are people who will sell that stuff later. But, you know, quite a few people will keep it because it's usually like, oh, this was like my grandma's, you know, this was like a wedding present, like my grandparents got when they got married, you know, or something like that. So it was like a family heirloom. And obviously, unless you're extremely tight for money, you would never sell, you know, the Tiffany silver they got. So you're going to want to get appraisal for that because, you know, the insurance is pretty valuable for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so going back to to the to the queen. Though that is actually really good advice anyway. But uh, she was obviously the daughter of King George VI. As you mentioned, his real name was was Albert. 
Um, and then she married Philip Mountbatten, who was a former prince of Greece and Denmark. They were married for 73 years until his death in April of 2021. And they had four children, Charles, Anne, Andrew, and Edward. When Elizabeth's dad passed away in February 1952, Elizabeth was only 25 years old. And as soon as the former king passed away, she immediately became queen. Same thing with Charles. As soon as she passed away, Charles was immediately king. Like, it, it, there's no grace period. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, kind of just get shoved into it. So she became queen of seven independent Commonwealth countries, which include the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka, as well as head of the Commonwealth. She reigned as a constitutional monarch through major, politi- through major political changes, such as troubles in North Ireland, the uh, devolution of the United Kingdom, the decolonization of Africa, um, and other things. So, and we'll kind of get into that as well. She celebrated several jubilees, the silver, the golden, the diamond, and more recently in June, the platinum jubilee. Yeah. She was, <clears throat> which I mean is, I don't, Again, she's the longest living British monarch, but funny enough, she's the second longest reigning sovereign in world history. Right. Yeah. So she's she's not the longest ever in all the world, just in Britain. She's behind only uh, King Louis the Fourteenth, I think, of France. Right. Right, because he was a king when he was like a kid, so. Right, he yeah, was a he was a he was a child. <laughs> yeah, he was a he was a little kiddo. So, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it is amazing. Like people were like speculating whether or not she was actually going to do better than her great great grandmother, Queen Victoria. But of course, that happened. So, yeah. You know. And I mean, again, she's she's became queen at twenty five. She died at ninety six. So, you know, she saw a lot of changes in the world, besides not just with her own kingdom but just the world in general i mean you think about what the world was in 1952 to now right yeah i mean yeah i mean because like some of like her earliest public duties as a member of the royal family was actually during world war ii i mean she was a volunteer you Mm -hmm. know just like a lot of teenage girls at the time wanted to participate somehow in the war effort and of course you know as somebody living in england you're very directly affected by it because at random times you know the luftwaffe will drop bombs over your city so um yeah i mean she was very much involved with um a lot of important patriotic activity back then and she took it very seriously once she became queen, you know, the importance of doing what's right for the country in whatever capac- whatever capacity she has. So Yeah. Yeah. So and I think I saw on the news and, and I'm trying to see if I can get the exact number, but I can't. But 
I can't seem to find it. If I do, I'll, I'll correct myself. But I think she's worked with now, uh, after talking to the last prime minister of England, literally like two days before she passed away. Right, Liz Truss. Um, that she was number 14, I think, prime ministers in her reign. Yes, I believe so. And the first being Winston Churchill, which is like <laughs> right. crazy. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's nuts. Yeah, because like, um, I remember I was listening to Good Morning America earlier this morning and like they did a short interview with David Cameron and he was her 12th prime minister and we know... After him was, like, Boris Johnson. So, yeah, Liz Truss would be number 14. Yeah. So, there you go. You know, we could even do, like, a mini-series just talking about, the you know, her family history because it's very impressive. It's, like, basically every English and Scottish king or queen you can think of, she is related to them. Uh, whether she's directly related to them like they're her great 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 grandfather what have you or a distant cousin but yeah i mean there's quite a few interesting ones like uh she is a descendant of alfred the great um one of the famous anglo-saxon kings um she's of course also related to uh william the conqueror she's also related to uh, a, a certain king that some of you Shakespearean fans would know of, um, Duncan from Macbeth. Yes, the Duncan. She is related to him. Um, also, she is related to Robert the Bruce, another very famous Scottish king. Um, also, she is related to kings of France, Denmark. Uh, in particular, a very famous one, uh, King Christian the Ninth, because just like her great great grandmother, uh, Queen Victoria, Christian the Ninth had many children who married into other royal families, including the British royal family and, of course, the Russian royal family. So, um, yeah, that that's also interesting. And of course, very famously, she is also distant cousins with her husband, Prince Philip. So, yeah. That is the very, very incomplete but very brief <laughs> discussion of her family tree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Poor girl. She, uh, I, I, I honestly, I feel bad because she wasn't supposed to be queen. You yeah. know, like, you're supposed to be like Harry, like, just be able to kind of have a life like you're still part of the royal family but you're not like in the royal family like hardcore type of thing right uh and yeah man her uncle did her dirty did her father dirty even more Poor man a again if you've ever seen uh the king's speech apparently she loved she applauded that movie because of how well they did uh in representing what happened to her father and you know um know she she loved it so if you haven't seen it and i know we've talked about it before it's actually one of my favorites so i recommend you yeah. go seeing it going and seeing that it's not necessarily about her it's it's about her father but it you know t basically shows how the <laughs> the road kind of 
turned left suddenly and uh all of a sudden she found herself heir to the throne yeah very sad yeah i mean like she wasn't expected to be queen but the thing was was that it's hard to say i mean even if her uncle stayed the king the thing is that unless he actually did get married and have kids, there was always that possibility. She still could have ended up queen anyway. Right, right. Yeah, um, yeah I remember I was t- talking to my sister about it. And I mean, my sister made a good point. If he had stayed king, he would have been told to marry somebody, who, you know, who could be a good queen. And basically they'd try and have children, you know, like that's kind of what, you know, it it always was you are uh you know king queen you, you make an heir that's what you that's your one of your duties is to make an heir so like you know but yes if that had never happened then yeah elizabeth would have been the next in line anyway but you just you know it's just imagine just imagine what would have happened but i guess it was a good thing that uh david you know abdicated because he was a Nazi sympathizer. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, going into, um, I guess, some of the, the evolution of like the Commonwealth during her reign. In 1952, when she took the throne, more than a quarter of the world's population was under British imperial rule. That was, it basically adds up to more than 700 million people, including... Asia, Middle East, and the Pacific Islands. So in her 70-year reign, we saw the British Empire become what's now called the Commonwealth of Nations, and it drastically declined uh, the United Kingdom's global influence. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up is, you know, again, if you've been on social media since the Queen passed away, there's been a lot of criticism some a lot more harsher than others, but it all centers around uh, colonization. So while I understand the hatred of the British monarchy because of colonialization, I don't hate on the queen because she actually did the opposite. More than 20 countries got their freedom during her reign. And when that happened, she wasn't you know, uh, fighting, you know, like going to war with them to keep them or whatever. She wished them well, like she hoped that they would prosper with, you know, and all that stuff. And she was all for, you know, these countries going off on their own and being their own. And I, I, you know, I've, I've been watching the BBC religiously. And there's one thing that they always talked about is like, every time she would get any type of ridicule from like the public or anything like that she would take it as a lesson that she had to learn so that she could better herself so like you know i think that was kind of part of it is she saw where the world was going and england didn't need to be an empire anymore you know so she allowed these countries to kind of just you know be free and i i i commend her for that so she you know i i do think that that that's something to consider is that the the empire that what the british empire basically disappeared under 
Elizabeth's reign and it became the Commonwealth. Now, I'm not saying every country in the Commonwealth wants to still be in the Commonwealth and all that stuff, but, you know, it, uh, who knows what the future is going to be? Who knows how much longer the monarchy is even going to last? But on that front, the, mo- the British monarchy does not have any say in what happens anymore. You know, yeah. like it, it's now under parliament. They choose. They could sit there and, you know, she could have said like, no, I, I don't want to do this. And they'll be like, okay, we're doing it anyway. So. You know. Yeah. I mean, that. yeah, I mean, this is like where, okay. Now I've mentioned this in past episodes, um, but my family uh, background is that my parents immigrated to the U.S. from Hong Kong. Um, I won't get into like all the details, but yeah, we we you know my family came to this country from Hong Kong, and you know as hopefully some of you know, Hong Kong was once upon a time a British colony, and I'm not going to get into all the details about like how that happened. You could easily look this up yourselves, and. You know, but but the short version is that it was done through a very shady, shady way. Um, basically, China lost the opium wars against the East India Company and the British. And one of the concessions was to agree to give up um, Hong Kong as a trading territory for a certain amount of time. So, you know, on the one hand... That was very shady, like I said. But then on the other hand, some there were some good things that actually happened to Hong Kong because of the fact it was a colony, which was that, you know, a lot of the more liberal um, prosperity and, you know, economy and government that Hong Kongers enjoyed for decades was because of the fact it was a colony. And now it's currently dealing with issues with mainland China ever since, you know, the handover back um, in 1997. And, you know, for those of you paying attention to, you know, international news for the past, like, 10 years, you're aware that there's been a lot of tension going on between local Hong Kong people and some of the changes being implemented, you know, on behalf of the communist government so so you know i i personally understand you know the dislike of the whole colonization issue Uh but you know as i said in this situation there were actually quite a few benefits that you know people may not have been able to appreciate um if it wasn't a, if it hadn't been a colony, you like they they wouldn't have enjoyed all sorts of freedoms that people in the mainland don't always get to enjoy. And so, you know, I I also kind of agree with what you were saying before about how like you know it's kind of not fair to dump all of this tension on her because, as you pointed out. The empire, or what's left of the empire, was basically, you know, cracking and falling apart during her reign. And, you know, former colonies have become independent countries. And 
again, as you also pointed out, you know, it is a constitutional monarchy. And for anyone actually paying attention and looking into exactly how does the monarchy actually work, nobody in this family, including, you know, now King Charles, actually has any real political power over anything like not like how it used to be 300 400 years ago you know so so much of the decision making in the uk um you know nationally internationally speaking it's through parliament so it's like if you have issues with the british government it's like well blaming charles now is not going to do you a lot of good because there's only so much he can actually do i mean he's not really the one ultimately making all these like major you know foreign policy economic policies that the government is doing it's the prime minister and parliament that you should be complaining you're you should be sending them your complaint letters okay so <laughs> you know i mean i mean i mean it's true they're the ones you should be complaining to so um yeah i you know, I, 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 I totally agree with you about how, like, yeah, it's, it's kind of not fair to blame her or them, really. Right. I mean, it, it, it's, it. it's stuff that happened, you know, in the past. Now, again, I, I completely understand, you know, hating on the monarchy and, like, the history of the monarchy and what they did. Because, yeah, I mean walking into a country and being like, all right, we're going to kind of um, take this over, okay? And we're going to beat you, your people, and kill your people because we want to. Like, <laughs> you know, like, it's 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 a nasty history. But I just personally can't sit here and be like, well, it's on her. You know, yes, she's a representative or whatever, and, and but it's just, uh, that's just me. That's just me. My whole thing is, is, literally the woman just died now her family is grieving the, her people are grieving and you're the things that i saw posted online i was just like come on like regardless of what you think of the monarchy or whatever like really like you gotta go at at her like that when she's dying or ever just passed like i just thought it was a little tasteless personally but there's a time and a place and that was not it Right. I mean, also, like, I mean, we were kind of chit-chatting about this before we started recording, but um, I personally feel like now, I, now, academically speaking, I was not a history major, um, but I have said quite a few times that, like, I happen to be a history nerd, and I'm I'm always fascinated by that sort of thing, and the thing is, is that when you really study you know, the history of, you know, the United Kingdom. Um, maybe not like every single bit of the history, but, you know, at least being familiar with the history of, of you know, of of the United Kingdom of like, you know, like say the last couple of centuries, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, when a lot of this colonization was going on, which was like primarily in, you know, it like really got snowballed in, you know, the 17 and 1800s, actually. I mean, obviously, we know as Americans that, like, the British started colonizing North America, like, late 16, like, in the 1600s, but 
you know, where what we think of as the empire really got going in the 1700s, 1800s. So it's like, when you want to really think about it, it's not just the royal family who is benefiting in the whole colonization thing. It's quite frankly, the entire country, um, the entire United Kingdom is basically benefiting off of it because, you know, at that around the same time, it's the Industrial Revolution. And it's like so many of the raw materials being used to develop the country economically, you know. And to really get the Industrial Revolution going, it's like quite a lot of the raw materials in it came from the colonies. So it's like, I just personally feel like, you know, when you really look at the grand scale of everything, it's like, well, okay, if you want to blame the royal family for all this, then why don't you blame the entire citizenry of the United Kingdom for it? Because they got a lot of, because they by extension and by that logic also benefited off of colonization as well you know mm -hmm. so it's like why are you gonna just drag this one family i mean why don't you drag on everybody right because and sure i mean some people may say well you can't really drag on everybody because um there was a working class that was like being exploited blah 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 well yeah sure you know they were exploited i mean very famously you know writers like charles dickens talked about that um but you know still there were also plenty of people within the united kingdom at the time who became middle class because of the industrial revolution and colonization so it's like again why aren't you dragging on them as well you know right so but along anyway. with just public opinion throughout for rain remember i mentioned that i saw on bbc whenever there was any a poor public perception she took that as a, a lesson to learn to be better so that you know she listened to people basically so kind of just going back it kind of started all the way at the very beginning um you know she would wear you know very modest you know clothing granted she always did but uh, she got uh, accusation in 1957 that her speeches sounded those of a priggish schoolgirl, and it caused a bunch of criticism. And basically, between how she spoke and how she dressed, she wasn't becoming a more modern image. And especially since she was on TV, she was the first monarch on TV and all that stuff. And so she started working with stylists to change her appearance and. As she got older, I'm sure everyone noticed, she always wore really bright, solid colors. And she did that so that people could find her in a crowd. And they asked her about it. And she said, you know, when you have someone who's never seen the queen before or whatever, she's like, I want to give them that chance that they can point me out and say, I saw the queen. You know, they don't have to guess. They know, yes, there she is. She's right there. I just saw the queen, like, you know, live and, and whatever. So... I thought that was kind of cute, that little that little thing. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much like, you know, what a lot of musicians do when they're at concerts. Yeah. Yeah. So then in the 1980s, there was a lot of public criticism about the royal family in general um, and how the personal and working lives of her children became, like, under fire, under, like, media scrutiny or whatever. 
popularity for the royal family was really low in the early 1990s. Um, and, you know, she heard the people they thought, and I mean, people th these days still do think that they are a bunch of rich people that are flaunting themselves going on, you know, to these parties and wearing these, you know, th this expensive clothing. And it's all on the money of the people. You know, they don't pay for it. It's they get paid by like the money of the people. So she actually changed it and started to pay income tax for the first time. And she opened Buckingham Palace to the public uh, so that people can take tours and and things like that. And, uh, you know, I think that that did help. It, it did help a lot. And then she was criticized um obviously the monarchy itself which we already talked about but honestly what really what really got them the la like the last time obviously besides her death was diana diana's death princess diana's death and yeah. this this one i actually don't agree with a, she came under fire because you know the um, flag at Buckingham Palace and go to half staff. She didn't make a public speech for days afterwards. Well, this is what the public doesn't understand. Her thought, her, yes, she's queen and yes, she has to think about her people. She was thinking about her two grandsons that just lost her, their mother. Like, that's what her focus was on. That her two grandsons were mourning the death of their mother you know but like yeah and i love princess diana i do but woman knew how to play the game and she got people on her side real quick and had the royal family looking really bad and i think that's why you know the queen not saying things for days and days and days afterwards like that's why people had such an outcry because it was like oh well because they hate Diana. And it's like come on, let her focus on her grandsons first. You know what I mean? Like so, I kind of didn't agree with that uh, whole thing. And like she even said, she was like, we didn't even lower the flags when my father died. Like so, why do it for for Princess Diana who wasn't even in the royal family anymore? But yeah. You know, she was a beloved person, so everyone wanted to, you know. But, but yeah. Um, and then just going over some of like her interests or whatever, she was a patron of more than six hundred organizations and charities. Uh, and the Charities Aid Foundation estimated that Elizabeth helped raise over one point four billion pounds her patronages during her reign right. uh, she loved um equestrianism dogs especially yeah. corgis yep she loved her corgis in fact yeah. my my whole thing was like where's her corgis <laughs> yeah apparently uh sarah ferguson is gonna and i think andrew are gonna take them good they need to be taken care of they lost their mommy yeah, I heard. Yeah, I heard about that this morning. Like they they mentioned that. Yeah, it, it sounded like the two of them are gonna, like I guess, join custody or like custody. Well, of... they live. They still live together. 
Oh yeah, that's oh okay. Yeah, I yeah. I that I didn't remember. Yeah, they even though they're divorced, they they still live together. Um yeah, so and from what I understand, she had a fantastic sense of humor. Everyone has mentioned that more times than than not. In fact, I heard one of her like security guards was, was they were talking to him and you know, was mentioning she was walking with him out and about and this American, you know, came up or to them or whatever and she started talking to him, didn't recognize her. You know, she had like her scarf on and whatever and asked her if she's ever met the queen. And she was like, I haven't, but he has, pointing to the security guard. And he was like, Oh my God, like, you know, you know, what is she like or whatever? And and you know, the um the security guard was like, oh, like she's a pain in my butt or, you know, something like that. And then he asked the queen to take a picture of him and the security guard. <laughs> and then the security guard took a picture of him and her and he he walks away and, and she goes, you know, I'd love to be a fly on that wall when he goes back home to America and people go, that is the queen of England. Oh God, it's so funny, so funny. Yeah, yeah. but um, but yeah. So besides all that, she was very religious, like hugely religious. Um, she's the head of the Church of England, Protestant. So that was a huge thing for her. And uh, I can think of. And then the only other thing I wanted to, I don't know if you had anything else, but the only other thing I wanted to go over was. I found a list of every single actress that has played the queen in either a movie or a show. Of course. Of course. So, in no specific order, you have Olivia Coleman, who was in the last two seasons of The Crown. Mm-hmm. Um, Emma Thompson played her in Walking the Dogs. Um, Helen Mirren played her in The Queen. Which I like that movie. That's about the whole princess diana thing um kristen scott thomas played her in uh, a play called the audience claire foy played her in the first two seasons of the crown i thought she did phenomenal yeah um i thought olivia coleman did as well um elmelda staunton is going to be playing her in the last two seasons of the crown yeah which of course they um um, for obvious reasons, they um, they suspended filming. Yeah, yeah. In respect, which I think is is nice. You know, it is about her. Probably have to yeah. rewrite stuff. You know, for that yeah. last season, mm. maybe move some things along. But uh, um, I mean, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Gadden in A Royal Night Out. That's a cute movie. Did you ever see that movie? I've I've seen clips of it. I never actually saw it though. Yeah, it's a it's fiction. It's you know right. like her and like basically it's like Princess Elizabeth and Princess Margaret like go out and like someone just like made up this whole story about what happened while they were out. It's hilarious. Something I didn't know. Nev Campbell played Princess Elizabeth in Churchill, the Hollywood years. I've never seen, and That's apparently. Amazing. 
I, I yeah, I've never heard of that. Christian Slater played Winston Churchill. <laughs> kind of. I, I what? Think he, I think I have to look that up. <laughs> like what? I I I I'm like wow. Okay. Uh, Freya Wilson played her in The King's Speech. Uh, Jane Alexander played her in William and Catherine of Royal Romance. That was a Lifetime movie. Made for TV movie. Um, <laughs> Jeanette Charles played her in the, in uh, Naked Gun. It's <laughs> pretty funny. Um, and then Maggie Sullivan played her in Harry and Meghan, A Royal Romance. Also a Lifetime movie. And let's see. Barbara Flynn played her in The Queen, which it looks like that was a uh, British show. Mm. Rosemary Leach played her in Margaret, which was a made-for-TV movie about Princess Margaret. There you go. Those are all the actresses that have had the honor of playing Queen Elizabeth II in, you know, some sort of media. Yeah, and of course, at least one of them actually got knighted by her, so. Yeah. Yeah. So now, you know, as we speak, obviously, um, we're going through the steps for her funeral and and all that stuff. As we're recording this, it's um, actually just a few days after she passed away, and the funeral is happening at Westminster Abbey next week. Yes. Just to give uh, you a little the context. Yeah. yeah, just to give you a little context as to when we're recording this. So, um, yeah, I, I've... I've only, like, I never actually went inside Westminster Abbey when I went to London years ago. I I wanted to, though, of course. I mean, quite a few people have been very famous people that uh, some of you listeners would have heard of are buried in there. So, but, Yeah, um, I've uh, never been to England. I've never been to Europe, unfortunately. Not that I don't want to go. I want to. It's just really expensive. Yeah, of course. Yeah, totally. I mean, the the only times I've been, like, I've been twice, and they were very short stops, unfortunately. So I didn't really see as much as I would like to. So at some point in the f- near future, uh, when, I mean, obviously COVID-19 is not going away anytime soon, but, you know, things seem to be in a position where... You, you we, we kind of have to live with it and we're gonna have to like figure a way you know to how to deal with it but um yeah i mean international travel like hopefully once that situation gets sorted out which is the bigger issue now is how messy air airports are but you know once like that gets settled down i would like to go back to england and like actually properly look around because um I only did like two day stays the two times I've been. So I really didn't see as much as I wanted to. Yeah. I'm sure it feels strange to like a lot of people that she's gone, but you know, it, I I feel kind of strange about it because it's like, I mean, one of the reasons why I, I have my name is because of the queen, really. So... Very, but I'm sure there's a lot of other Elizabeths out there who are in the same position. So, mm. yeah, but we will uh, miss a lady who 
doesn't come too often. Yes. In our lifetime, we will never, most likely, it's not impossible, but most likely never see another reigning queen, only queen consorts. And if you want to know why, it's because you can never be higher than sovereign. So king is the highest, which is why uh, um, Philip couldn't be king consort because king is higher than queen. Think of a deck of cards, right? King is higher than queen. So if she's the queen, he can't be higher than her. So she made him Prince Philip as opposed to king consort. But when a king is reigning, their wife would be queen consort. They're not reigning queen. They are queen by marriage. So when Charles, if Charles passes first before Camilla, she will no longer be queen consort. She'll be um, dowager. And then uh, Kate Middleton uh, will become queen consort with William as king. That's how that works. In case you want to know. Yeah. Yep. So there's your history, your royal lesson right there. Yeah. And Harry has like zero chance of becoming king at this point. Yeah, but then again, he's pretty much said he has no interest in. I don't blame him. I wouldn't want it. Thank you. Yeah, and I mean, like as we were talking about earlier, like you know how what used to be the empire has been shrinking. It's like. To be honest, I I I would suspect that like on her on her side, she's probably she was probably kind of relieved at the notion of the empire shrinking because who honestly wants to be responsible for all that really? I mean, granted, like granted, like we said before, like the royal family and you know the king or the queen don't have any real political power, but still, who wants to be the figurehead of a freaking empire? Right. Yeah, look, because look what happens. People hate you just because. Yeah, I get yeah. to be the face sometimes. Yeah. So. so. You know, I, I, my, my reaction was sadness, but I think it was more of just because she was always such. She was always there. She was the queen, you know. And now there is no queen. It's just weird, you know? So it was like a sadness that an, an era was ending. But at the same time, it's like we're watching history right now. Yeah. You know, unfold yeah. before our eyes. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if any of you listeners are honestly really interested in us talking more about the royal family um, at a later date, then we will, sure, we'll we'll talk about it at a later date. Um but I guess like before we end the episode, I just thought it was really fascinating the title shifting, if you will, happening because mm. of because of this. Like, you know, I mean, this this was actually a conversation topic I had with my parents because, of course, for most of their lives, it was Queen Elizabeth. I mean, they vaguely were aware of her father being king because that's how old they are. But um. They were still pretty young kids, though, when he was king. So, and of course, all the way in Hong Kong, like how much you actually know about the protocol and all that stuff is like kind of limited. So, well, especially since England's on the other side of the country, uh, world. <laughs> right. 
Right. So it's like, so, you know, the, so our conversations about this was like really interesting when like I had, I had to be the one who explained to them like, oh, well, this is what's going on, you know, like, oh, now that he, Charles is going to be the king, he's the one who gets to decide whether or not William is going to be Prince of Wales now. Yeah. Because Prince of Wales, yeah, because Prince of Wales is actually not a title that you're born with it's actually a title that the current monarch has to give you right and of course famously it's the title specifically prince of wales the only way you have a princess of wales is you have to be the wife of the prince right so which is why elizabeth herself was never called the princess of wales because there is no such thing technically so yeah yeah yeah, and uh, you know, my my sister didn't think he uh, Charles was going to give him give William that title so quickly. Uh, but my guess is he just wanted to. That was like his first, I think, act as king was giving uh, William and Kate that title of Prince and Princess of Wales. And then on top of it, because Charles is now king. Um, William and Kate were Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, but now they just also took over Charles's, uh, which is of uh, Corn Cornwall. They are, right. they, my goodness. So they are Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and Cornwall and Prince and Princess of Wales. Right. Well, but, I mean, the kids will be, yeah. I mean, the Wales. kids will, yeah. Yeah, they'll be Wales. Well, and that's the other thing. They don't have last names. It's just whatever their title is. So, like, their kids went to, like, the, the day that the queen passed away was the first day of school for the kids. They went into school being, you know, George Cambridge or whatever. Now, he, the next time he goes to school, it's going to be George Wales. Like, that's, that is very odd. It's got to be confusing. What's your name? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know what my name is anymore. It would have been a lot easier if they would just said, okay, our our family, our house name is Windsor. Right. So it should be Windsor. Right, exactly. Or Windsor Mountbatten, if you want to hyphenate it. Right. Because, um, I mean, that's technically what their family, their house name is. Yeah. So, Yeah. Now you gotta confuse those kids. What's your name? I don't know. I don't. I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, if they want to be called Lord, whatever, then sure, you know. Right. Then that that's fair. But it's like, come on. Oh. Why don't you complicate these things? You know. <laughs> and then now that Charles is king, uh, William and Harry are the Prince William and the Prince Henry, or Harry. Henry's his birth name. Yeah. But yeah. They have the the V in front of their name. Yeah. And now Harry's children are technically prince and princess. Yeah. So there you go. Which of course yeah, which again confuses people, but you know, that's the those are the rules. <sighs> then be the rules. Like we didn't invent them. These were rules going on for a few centuries. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't make this up. But, um, yeah. I mean, the other... Well, okay. Well, okay. 
let's consider this like intro to a, a future episode on the royal family but the other thing i i will find really interesting is what is going to happen to the title duke of york because andrew doesn't well as far as i know well when i look this up there's only been one instance of a duke of york title actually going from father to son because for whatever reason, a lot of the previous Dukes of York have happened to be like men who end up not having kids or any surviving kids. So then the title reverts back to the crown and then whoever is the king or the or in a couple of cases, queen uh, ruling at the time, they are the one to bestow the title to somebody. And it's usually the second son of the ruler but not always so it's going to be kind of interesting what's going to happen when when eventually uh andrew passes away because then he has no sons obviously which people familiar with the royal family knows this so it's going to be kind of interesting to see who is going to end up being the duke of york then because technically if for some reason andrew dies before charles it could hypothetically go to Harry. Right. right. So it's just going to depend on what happens. Um, yeah. And, you know, who... Yeah, and then if it doesn't go to Harry, my guess would be it would probably go to Louis. Yeah, um, it would go to Louis. Most likely. So... Oh. Yeah. We shall find out eventually. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch us next time. And see what we're going to talk about. Because the three fates decide.